Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So today is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's No, it's not. It's the 12th. Two days away from Valentine's Day. And I thought it would be good for my wonderful, beautiful wife, Bronwyn, and I to share with you a little bit about God's perspective on Valentine's Day. The world says um, its own message, I don't want to repeat its message, but it's a gaudy uh, imitation of the real thing that God has designed in love and marriage and romance. And so we're going to talk about just an aspect of it today. Marriage is really important to God. It's the way He's designed um, the world to be split up into units where um, there can be love, there can be fellowship, there can be belonging, um, and children can be raised in an, in an environment, a secure environment. It was God's idea. Um, and it reflects the relationship of, of our, the church and Him. So it's, it's even more important to Him than just a good, a good way of organizing society. It's really a reflection of, of, of His relationship with us. So it's it's really important. We know, you know, God wants us to love each other forever. So we're going to give a few hints, maybe, um, of how that's going to be achieved. Um, Greg and I are very grateful. We've recently hit a milestone. We've been married for 25 years. Um, and we're really grateful to God for that. Um, it's, it's really by His grace. Um, the few times in those 25 years we thought we might not get there, um, but um, His grace has just been abundant, you know. So we really speak out of gratitude and complete humility, because it's, it's Him. It really is. Amen. Um, we first met in Harare in Zimbabwe. I had moved into the city to um, stay with my gran for a little while, and my gran had phoned at the church that she was going to, which was a Presbyterian church, and said to the youth leader, I've got my granddaughter, please will you look after her? Um, and Greg wasn't leading the youth at that time, but he got the job, and he took it very seriously, as you can see. Um, so he, he arrived to take me out with them all to go to movies, and then I got involved in their youth group. And um, then after a little while I left, <coughs> to go and study in South Africa. Um, and we kind of left it in a bit of limbo. We were still kind of seeing each other. Um, and once I'd been gone, um, Greg was kind of listening to a talk where the pastor was saying, you know, you don't have to play the field and you don't have to go out with lots of people. If you're going out with someone, you know, make sure it's the person that you think you're going to marry that God's got for you. You know, you don't have to experiment with all sorts of different people because he's got a plan. So um, Greg was kind of convicted and he sat down to write me a letter to break up with me and say, no, this isn't God's plan. <coughs> Tell break in if I'm saying it wrong. But he kind of heard God speaking to him as he sat down to write the letter and he said, no, make the letter, please marry me. So... I, I was in South Africa, I got a letter, please marry me. Um, We'd only known each other for about three months. Yeah, we hadn't known each other very long. So it was a big decision, but I, feel, I felt complete peace about it. 
And I really knew that it was God's will. Um, and um, so he kind of phoned me a few days later and I said, yeah. I didn't reply. I didn't reply straight away. So I left him on tenterhooks for, for a little while. <laughs> um, and then I said, I said, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> so, yeah. I, the amazing thing is, um, Bron had never dated anyone. She'd never been out with anyone. Um, and the Lord can the Lord can sort it out without you having to do all this, all this stuff that the world says you have to do. Amen? But even when it is the Lord's plan, this is the guts of what we want to talk about today. Carol, maybe you could put the first verse up on the screen. It's Matthew 18, verse 7. There's, I'm going to use three little scriptures from the book of Matthew, chapter 18 today. And the first one says, offenses must come. Can I just say that this relates to every relationship, not just marriage and dating. It relates to friendships, it relates to businesses, it relates to church, uh, mothers and children, fathers and children, all the different relationships you can imagine. These three points apply. So the first is, offenses must come. Jesus actually said, woe to the world because of offenses. So God is not wanting offenses, but He said offenses must come. They will come. In every relationship, there will be a time where the other person offends you. And if you're in a relationship where you say there are no offenses, I want to tell you there's a problem there because you are suppressing and pretending there's no offenses. But Jesus said offenses must come. They will come. They will always come. If you're in a church where you say everything's peachy, nobody offends me, the pastor is wonderful, and the people in the church are wonderful, and I'm not offended by anyone, and they're not offended by me, you're deluding yourself. Offenses must come. And there are many young Christian couples who get into a relationship or a marriage, and they then think there's a disaster when they have a, their first disagreement. Praise God, Jesus said, offenses must come. Because we live in a sinful world, we are different people, we have our own hang-ups, we come from different backgrounds, you will have conflicts. Isn't that right? And we've had a few humdingers of our own. The problem is, Bronnie and I are both hedgehogs. So in our family, um, we have different ways of, of dealing with conflict. We have, um, we have the people who, when you tell them something that maybe they've done wrong, their best form of defense is attack. So I'm not mentioning any names. And they're called the what? And they're called the rhinos, okay? So if you, if you have a conflict with a rhino, they will just attack you, okay? And um, you'll feel like you've, been run in, you've run into a rhino. The other way of dealing with things is like a hedgehog. So when someone offends you or someone um, you know, tells you you've done something wrong, you just curl up and you go into yourself and you say, I'm just protecting myself. I'm putting up my spikes and I'm not talking. And um, in our family, it's probably more the girls that do that. And we just hide and we um, <clears throat> can be silent treatment, but it's just withdrawing. And both of those ways are not good ways of dealing with conflict, are they? Because they don't resolve the problem. 
um, Greg, Greg, Susie used to be a hedgehog when we first got married, because, but because I'm such a hedgehog, he's become a rhino. And that's, and that's not the answer, because he's shouting, I'm curling up, and it's just, it's a disaster. So for the first 10 years of our marriage, we had issues, but they just simmered under the surface, and we never dealt with them. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, really, 10 years of our marriage, we never dealt with issues. Uh, we would have the odd argument, but they were never resolved. Uh, we just knew there was something wrong, but nobody could verbalize what it was. Uh, it was just hedgehog land. Yeah, so um, we just wanted to basically talk about um, dealing with conflict, a few rules, and, a, and the environment that we need to kind of set up um, when we're trying to face conflict in any of our relationships in our lives. And there's a few just before you do basic that, let me give you rules. two verses. So the first is um, Ephesians 4. It says, speak the truth in love. Uh, in other words, don't keep it to yourself. We've got to speak the truth, but it's got to be in love. That's the first guideline. And the second one is Matthew 18, verse 15. Perhaps you could put that up on the screen, Carol. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So the Bible says there must be a discussion. It's not just, I forgive you and I'm not going to mention it. There must be a discussion. Why? We can't forgive without discussing, but the problem will keep recurring if we don't discuss it. And so two cannot walk together if they just always forgive but never discuss. If your brother sins against you, if your wife or your husband sins against you, speaking the truth in love, you must discuss it. Otherwise, these issues simmer under the surface and, and weird walls build up between you. And sometimes you can't even verbalize, why is there a wall? Why am I angry? Why do I respond the way I do? It's because we've never had the discussion. Maybe because we're both rhinos, we're both hedgehogs, or one's a rhino, one's a hedgehog, and we hurt one another. So these rules that we're going to explain now provide a framework to be able to discuss issues. So to try and get a good atmosphere for resolving conflict is to kind of not attack the person, but together look at the problem. So not, not say to each other, you're the problem, you did this, you did this, but to say, right, we're a team, let's look at this problem and try and sort it out. So that you're not, you know, attacking each other. There's lots of little um, hints, um, words not to use, like I'm sure you've heard, don't ever say always, and don't ever say never. You always do this and you never do that. Because straight away you're attacking that person instead of saying, let's look at the problem together and, and see how we can solve it. Um, don't use labels. Don't say, you're just lazy, you know. Because um, that's hurtful, isn't it? And it's not solving anything. It's not, you're just accusing the person and making them feel worse. So um, we want an atmosphere of kind of love and acceptance and willingness to forgive. In the same passage, Matthew 18, where he says, go and speak to your brother if he sins. Peter, in verse 21, it said, Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times, Jesus said, not seven, but 70 times seven. There's got to be this overflowing grace. Even though we're trying to deal with an issue, there's got to be an atmosphere of grace. And that comes out of being committed to one another forever as well, doesn't it, love? Well, as Christians, um, there's this word 
the S word. It's a word we don't really like, but it's the word called submission. Um, and the Bible says that we, as Christians, our, um, submission is kind of a lifestyle for us, even though it's really hard. We, we as a church, we submit to God and we submit to the Bible. Um, we take the Bible's um, words over our own. We submit, the Bible tells us to submit to each other in churches. Um, so, you know, putting my will below yours. In marriage, we submit to each other, but the wife, the Bible says the wife's got more responsibility to submit. Um, it's, not, it's not something that's weak. Submission takes amazing strength, because basically what you're saying is, I'm taking my will, and I'm going to put it under yours. I'm going to take your will as higher than mine. Isn't that an, that's an amazing thing to do? And it's incredibly hard, and it takes a lot of strength. But it's what the Bible tells us to do. I'm going to submit to you, if, you know, in circumstances where we can't agree, I'm going to put my will below yours. I'm going to value your will. And that's what we do with God, with the Bible, with each other, and that's what we do in marriage. Except it's not, it's not always, is it? You, don't, you mean you don't always need to submit? Yeah. No. But Explain there's every, every now and then you come to a place <coughs> where you can't agree on something. So, for example, we will discuss things often, and Ron often has very strong opinions, as do I, and hers are often very good. And usually we're able to discuss and come to a place of agreement, but there are times where we've discussed for a long time, we've prayed, we've sought advice, we've read the Bible, and we still cannot agree. Those are the times to submit. It's not just... Um, never express your opinion. So that's kind of the framework. Uh, I wanted, actually I was asking you to talk about being committed forever. That was the bit that I was pointing to, not the submission way. So basically what I, what I had in mind was the framework of being in a lifelong commitment of marriage makes this whole thing work. If I think the minute there's problems, one of us is going to bail and leave, then it makes it harder for this this whole discussion to work. When I know that it, it doesn't matter what happens, I'm not leaving. And I know that no matter what happens, she's not leaving. There's no chance we are going to leave one another. Suddenly it makes this whole thing work. I give grace. When there's a problem, it's not her who's the problem. The problem is threatening us. Even though she may have offended me, the problem is the enemy and it's threatening us because we are going to be together forever and so we must solve it because there's this commitment to a lifelong uh, relationship and obviously the Bible being Christians means whenever there's a disagreement among us we can look to the Word of God and it guides us and that becomes the final answer even if it's different to what we thought. Have I left anything out there? Okay, so we're going to do a little role play uh, of a little method that we learned from the marriage course which comes out of Holy Trinity Brompton. Uh, they taught us this method of dealing with conflict. Remember in this context of all these things we've said, uh, when there's a conflict, there's this little role play that helps us do it. And the reason it's good is because if you're a hedgehog, it helps you be less of a hedgehog. If you're a rhino, it helps you be less of a rhino. Do you want to just explain the rules of the role play and then we'll do it, honey, or how, how it's going to work? Um, okay, so this 
kind of method that we learnt, just um, what happens is one person has an issue. You've probably both got issues, but what you do is you say, right, we're going to talk about your issue. And that person holds something to remind you because in the heat of an argument, you forget whose issue you're talking no, you about. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> and and the other person jumps in and, and, you, and it, it kind of just spirals out of control. So one person actually holds something to say, right, this is my issue and we're talking about my issue now, not your issue. Um, so you present your issue um, in a good way, hopefully. Hopefully when your anger maybe has died down a little bit, it makes it a bit easier because this is quite hard to do when you're feeling very, very angry. So maybe let your anger simmer a little bit and um, then you're going to present your issue. When you've presented your issue, the other person is going to feed back about your issue, not about their issue, but about, all right, so this is what you're thinking, this is what you're feeling, have I heard you right? And then the other person feeds back and says, yes, you've heard me right, or no, you haven't heard me right, this is how it's different. And then we, together we, just, we say, right, how can we solve this problem? How can we make it better? What would you like me to change? Okay, so we're going to try and do that and just do a quick um, example. So I'm going to hold my, I'm, I'm presenting my issue. And Greg, I would like to talk about something that happened a few days ago, um, which made me quite upset and I feel that it's not resolved yet. Um, and that was when you went out in the afternoon, the other afternoon, and you went to a meeting without telling me you were going out, and you took the car. And I needed the car to take the kids to activities, and because you had taken the car without telling me, um, the kids had to miss their activities, and it caused a whole lot of stress. And when you came home, you didn't seem to think it was a big thing. You just brushed it off as if it was nothing. Okay, so what you're saying is you are hurt because I took the car and I didn't tell you and you had to... What happened to the children? Did they go to their activities? No, they had to miss their activities, all because you didn't tell me what was going on and we hadn't planned ahead. So you're saying you're upset um, because of me not communicating in advance or not making another plan for you to have the car, is that right? Well, I kind of feel like you didn't even think about it. You didn't even think about us. You were just so wrapped up in what you had to do that you didn't realise you should have you should have told us what you were doing and we should so we could make a plan okay. ahead of time. So what you're saying is it's not just the practical inconvenience, there's actually, you felt uncared for when, when I, because I didn't think about you enough, is that right? Yeah, and then when you came home, you, you, you didn't, you know, you just brushed it off, you didn't think it was very important, which made it even worse. So that's the role play. It's very simple, folks. It's one person explains their issue, the other person doesn't excuse themselves or 
or give the uh, uh, issue back because we're very good at that, aren't we? When one person gives an issue, we give another one back just to whack them so that they'll stop whacking us. Um, but the role play is we're dealing with this issue and I will keep feeding back until she feels I have heard her. Until she feels I've completely understood what the issue is and then together we work out a way to resolve it. And I know it feels a little bit rehearsed and a little bit weird, but I want to say to you, it is helpful in a marriage. If you will set aside time once a week or whenever it is to say, are there any issues? And you follow this process and not just in a marriage, you can do it in a working relationship, in any kind of friendship. It will help you understand one another. And I want to just close now by talking about the response to an issue. You know, we've said that marriage and, and relationships are a picture of us and Christ. Jesus loves us and forgives us and he died for us. And he comes to us and he says, I love you and I forgive you and I paid the price for you. But the right response from us, the Bible says, is a thing called repentance. And I believe that it's a missing element in marriages. I believe that this idea of repentance is missing in relationships and even in Christianity I think we have swept this under the carpet so we say hallelujah I just received your forgiveness wonderful happy days but the repentance is important and when you're in this kind of a relationship you see why it's important imagine in this little role play I just said whoa great you forgive me let's move on it's not resolved if I just said, okay, sorry if I've done anything wrong, it's still not resolved. If I say, okay, admin, I'll make some admin changes and I'll make sure that I diarize it and tell you when I'm using the car, it's still not resolved because she doesn't feel like I have emotionally connected with her pain. And repentance is this. Let me just read you. A little passage so Paul in 2 Corinthians 7 had written a letter to this church the Corinthian church and he'd rebuked them for some stuff they'd done wrong and in verse 8 he says even if I made you sorry with my letter I do not regret it though I did regret it I perceive that the same epistle or letter made you sorry but only for a while but now I rejoice not that you were made sorry but that your sorrow led to repentance for you were made sorrow, sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. Now listen to this. For godly sorrow, so there's a godly sorrow which is different from a worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow says, oh if I've done anything wrong, sorry, and then we get on with it. But a godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation not to be regretted. There's no regret if you deal with it properly. You can get through these issues and it leaves no uh, residual problems in your relationship if you deal with it through repentance properly but sorrow of the world produces death the worldly way of dealing with it ah oh, whatever let's get on with it produces death then he describes godly sorrow listen to this for observe this very thing you sorrowed in a godly manner what diligence it produced in you what clearing of yourselves what indignation what fear what vehement desire, what zeal, 
What vindication. In all the, these things, you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. He's saying there was an emotional connection where they expressed their emotions and said, Oh, we've hurt you so much. We so want to make this right. It must have really upset you. We did this wrong. You must have felt this. There was an emotional connection. And that is needed in marriage. And this is how it works. The person explains what they did wrong, why it was wrong, how it hurt the other person, and how they're going to make it better in the future. So I would say to Bron, Bronnie, I'm so sorry that I made you feel not just inconvenienced, but that I didn't care enough, that I cared more about the meeting than I cared about your feelings and the children. I was thinking too much about things and not the most precious thing to me, which is our relationship. It was wrong. It was wrong according to the Bible. It was wrong according to everything I believe in. I really was wrong. And I'm sorry. Please will you forgive me. And I will make it better in the future. You see, that's a connection there. I mean, I'm not just saying the word sorry. Because the word sorry doesn't have to be expressed in a real repentance. It's obvious because the person is saying why they have hurt the other person. And they're saying, I fully get your feelings. <laughs> I fully get your feelings. It's not just an administrative hiccup. I've wounded your heart. Hosea 14 verse 2 says this. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away our iniquity. Receive us graciously. For we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. We've got to take words with us. You know, our family upbringings, my wife and I, were different. In her family, they never said sorry. They just worked harder to show that they were sorry. In my family, we had emotional blubbing when we said sorry. She was sorry many times in our relationship for things she did wrong. But because she never expressed it with her mouth, I didn't know it. And it made me get more and more upset. And only months later, she would say, but look, I've changed. I've fixed things. I've... And I would say, oh, yes, you really were sorry. But this expression of sorrow. I was speaking to a man this week who said he's done so many things wrong to his wife. Um, and he said sorry, but she still brings them up every time they have a disagreement. And I believe the reason is he hasn't expressed repentance with his lips. You know, I'm willing, if I'm really repentant, I'm willing to stand up in front of the whole world and say, I upset my wife. I took the car when I shouldn't have. And it's not just an admin issue. I didn't care enough about her. And I want the whole world to know that I was wrong. That's repentance because I'm willing to say it in front of the whole world and suddenly she knows I care. Does that make sense? Correct. Have you got any last thoughts, honey? Is there anything else we've left off? Yeah, just I think forgiveness as well. Once, once someone's repented, forgiveness means not bringing them up ever again. Um, and as Christians, we should be so good at forgiveness, really, because we've been forgiven so much um, that it shouldn't stop us forgiving someone else and then just um, never bringing it up again. I think that's really important um, in a relationship. 
Yeah, because you can't carry on, you know, as, as long as there's something between you, it's going to just, the ball's going to get higher and higher. So, forgiveness makes sure that, that there's nothing, nothing between you. Let's bow our heads and pray for a moment, folks. Lord Jesus, thank you that you said that the marriage relationship is a picture of your relationship with us. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for our sins. Thank you for expressing your love on the cross. Thank you for proposing marriage. Thank you for loving us so much to die for us. Lord, I pray right now for anyone here who hasn't expressed those marriage vows to you, who hasn't accepted your marriage proposal. Folks, if you're here today, friend, if you're here today and you say, I've been at church, but I don't know if I'm married to God. I'm going to invite you now, right now, just where you're sitting, to say these marriage vows to God. Say, dear God, I love you. Thank you for dying for me. I accept your forgiveness and your proposal of marriage. And Lord, I promise to love you, to honor you, to obey you for the rest of my life. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, I will be yours and I will be close to you and love you, forsaking all others until death brings us together. And friends, that is what becoming a Christian is. If you've said those words today, you've been, the Bible says you've become one spirit. You've been united with God if you've made that covenant promise. And He loves you. He floods in with His forgiveness. He gives you His surname. And He gives you His banner of love to cover you and His forgiveness and protection. And he says, you are now my spouse. I will walk with you for the rest of your life. Secondly, there's some of us here today, and you're in a marriage relationship where there is an issue. There is a wall between you. There's a resentment. You're withholding something from your spouse because of some historical issues. And what we've said today is the solution to you. I'm going to ask you to commit today Say, yes, in my heart, I am choosing. I'm going to sit down with my spouse and I'm going to have this conversation and we're going to deal with this. Even if it takes a long time and a lot of pain, we're going to deal with past hurts so that we can move on. And then lastly, there might be some of us here and it's not a marriage issue, but there's some other person, either in the church or in the wider world, who you have an issue with and you know the Lord is putting His finger on your heart right now and He's saying you need to have this kind of a conversation. You need to sort this out. I'm going to ask you right now, right now, just to decide. Say yes, I'm going to do that. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.